Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. You may be asking, Pastor, why are you doing a series or a message about confessions? Aren't you supposed to be here to, 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 to inspire us and encourage us and to teach us about the word and, 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 and all of this stuff? Why are you doing a series about confessions? And I will tell you for many reasons. My goal today is that not for me to get sympathy from you. Totally not that. No, I don't need a hug. Don't don't say, you know what, we're praying for you. I hope you should be praying for me. I pray for you. It's just natural. We, we reciprocate prayer. That's just how that goes, I would think. <laughs> it's not any of that. I don't want you to feel guilty about what you don't do. It's not about that. It's really to, 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 to share the heart of the pastor so you can realize just how, how much we are alike. That being up here behind this pulpit doesn't make me any holier than you. That being up here behind this pulpit doesn't make me more perfect than you. That being up here behind this pulpit doesn't mean that I'm closer to God than you. That ended when Jesus died on the cross. The very first thing that happened was the veil that separated the regular people from the holy of holies was ripped in half. And that was God showing you that the prayer field is level. You don't even have to go to the priest. You can come right to me for your request now. And so that's what this message is about. And it's important. Do you realize that in the New Testament, there are at least, watch this, three books solely devoted to pastors? Three. First, Timothy. Second, Timothy. Titus. Oh, I forgot. That's four. And Jude. These are pastors. Messages to pastors. So if we, if the Bible has entitled uh, total books on pastors, it's important for the pastor to share his heart and tell you about what some of the things we talk about. My goal is not to garner sympathy or a bunch of hugs. It's not to get more out of you than you're willing or capable of giving. My goal is to transparently and honestly lend internal eyes to the daily life of a lead pastor. My prayer, my brothers and sisters, this morning is that you are inspired, that you are encouraged, and more determined than ever to pursue your dreams with relentless determination. Regardless of how much money you have, regardless of your level of education, regardless of how much experience you have or don't have, no matter how many people support you, I want you today, after this message, after I've done the benediction, I want you today to feel encouraged and inspired to pursue your dreams regardless of what your reality looks like right now. And that's what this confession thing is about. 
It's showing you just how imperfect this whole thing is. But by the grace of God, we are here. I am here. Amen. So how this is going to work is this. I'm going to give you nine confessions. I'm going to share nine confessions. But before I do that, so that so that just to make you all a little bit comfortable and don't be so hard on me, because some of the things I may say may make you uncomfortable. Okay, I just want to I just want to set this up in a way that you can't blame me for the message. Ready? Here it is. Second Timothy, chapter four, verses two through four. Ready? Second Timothy, chapter four, verses two through four. Now, this is Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. Now, this is what Paul said to Timothy, and this applies to every single pastor. Ready? Here it is. This is New Living Translation. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. So just I, I want to just pause right there. There may be some correction. There, were, there may be a little bit of rebuke that may happen in this message today. But ultimately, I hope it all is encouragement. Okay? This is what I want to do. So don't be upset with me. I'm only preaching the Bible today. Amen? Okay, let's go down. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Okay? They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after other myths. Now, let me, let me explain that. In other words, a lot of times when pastors preach messages that are truthful, that are biblical to the point, sometimes it's better to just say, ouch, but don't leave. Okay? Sometimes it's better to just say, ouch, but don't leave. Every message that a pastor preaches may not be something that you're going to walk out feeling like, whoo, man, he must have been in my house. That pastor was preaching today. He was all up in my Kool-Aid and had the sugar to go with it. No, no, no. It ain't going to always be that kind of message. Sometimes it's going to be a message that's going to hit you and wreck you to your core. You're going to feel guilty. Sometimes, and it's never, the message is never to shame you. What is it? What did I just say? The message is always to encourage change. It's always to encourage change. So, so, so hear me. Uh, um, and also the other thing is, you ever hear people say, oh, I left the church because I wasn't being fed? Right? The Bible is very, uh, very clear about self-feeding. When you are mature and an adult, you don't expect your mama or your daddy to feed you. Right? I'm at a point now where I, I and I have to use my oldest son, and I hate doing this, but I, I, with Jakai, he's, he's about to be 18 in January. I'm like, bruh, I'm not telling you time to eat. If you smell the food cooking, you better get down here. And if the food is put up by the time you come down, you missed it. You are old enough to know when to get. I don't have to tell you come to eat dinner. You smell it. You hear everybody. You hear plates hitting the table. You hear utensils clacking against the plates. Uh, that means we eating. And if you're not at the dinner table eating with us, you missed it. And that's the same thing that applies to us as Christians. God is saying, listen, I, I have a person that I have assigned to teach you what the word says. I'm not going to put the onus on the teacher to make you apply what he's teaching you. What did the book say? What did the Bible say in the book of Acts? It said that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to it, not to listening, not to being listeners of the apostles' teaching, but 
doers of the apostles' teaching. Nobody had to tell them, hey, it's prayer time. Nobody had to tell them, hey, uh, you got to do this. Hey, we're having service. Nobody had to tell them that. They devoted themselves to it. And so that's what my message is about today. It's about your personal devotion after what I say, after I say what I have to say today. Amen? And remember, it's to encourage you. It's to encourage you. As a pastor, we also have this assignment, and you find it in 1 Peter. Now, I love this that it comes from 1 Peter because this is a letter that Peter writes to people, and he writes to early believers. Now, I love that it comes from Peter because you got to understand Peter is the one that Jesus said he was going to build his church on. Peter is the one that, had he, that when they left the upper room, it was Peter. It was nobody else. It wasn't James. It wasn't Matthew. It wasn't nobody. It was Peter that grabbed the mic and was like, yo, listen here. I got a word. And he preached a revival message that literally changed the world as we know it today. It was Peter. And here's what Peter's saying to preachers and ministers of the gospel. That includes you. Watch this. But specifically pastors. This is what he says. He says, shepherd the flock of God. This is the English Standard Version, by the way. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Man, I read that as a pastor and I'm like, man, that's exactly what I'm trying to do daily. And I'm doing it definitely not because of selfish gain. Trust me. Trust me, I'll share some stuff in here in a minute, and you will see it's definitely not because of selfish gain. I don't do this because I want a pat on the back. I don't do this because I want y'all to remember pastor's appreciation. Check this out. I didn't even know it was pastor's appreciation until y'all said it. I don't do this because, because I'm, I just want to be famous. I want my name famous. I do this because I want that crown of glory. I do this because that's what all of our ultimate goal is, is to receive that crown of glory. Every single one of us, whether you're a pastor or not a pastor. And I believe that over these past six years, and I can go further than that, that I have done my very best to be what I call uh, 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 leading by example, a servant leader. In other words, I don't ask y'all to do something I wouldn't do. I've cut the grass. I've vacuumed the floor. I've washed toilets. That's in this building. I've always been the first and the last to leave since we started this church. And it's not because I don't trust you all to do it. It's because I want to lead by example. I want you all to see that I am no better than you, that I can do everything that you can do, that there is no job above me that I'm not willing to do for the sake of the kingdom. When we were were a transport church, I was there setting up pipe and drape, tearing down pipe and drape. I was there doing all of that. And it's not, I'm not trying to get, Pat on the back. My goal in sharing this is to say that I've tried to lead by example, not want to just say, hey, go and do. When we do outreach, I'm typically there when I can be. And it's not because, hear me, it's not because I'm, I, 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 I want to pat on the back. I'm trying to lead by example. We're doing Project 5550. And I'm leading the charge by saying I'm giving $100 a month instead of 5550 a month. Not because I got that kind of bank. <laughs> Not because I got my, 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 my earthly coffers are overflowing with money. That's absolutely opposite the story. 
That's totally opposite my reality. But I have faith in the man whose bank never goes bankrupt. And because I want to do something for him, I know God, listen, God is going to create so many opportunities for me to meet my goal. I'm, and I'll look up and say, man, and it's not going to hurt our current finances at all. It's not going to in, uh, uh, impact our, our finances at all. But because I step out on faith. And so I'm trying to, in everything that I do, lead by example. So now let's get into some confessions. Let me make some confessions to you today. Confession number one. And this is the truth. I prayed more as a lay person than I do as a pastor. I prayed more as a lay. And some of you all, what is a lay person? In other words, before I served in a leadership position, when I was just a Christian, when I was just, just saved and I was just so happy to be saved, I prayed way more than, than I do as a pastor. And, and, and you know why? It was a personal devotion. It was a personal relationship. But as a pastor, my prayers are, are, are more focused on the church, the people in the church, the community that we serve, and any other need that, that, that where people need prayer. And by the time I'm done, I'm like, whoa, God, uh, you know, I, and sometimes I literally hear God say, well, what about you? What do you need? And that's when I pause and say, God, here, here's my request to you. And let me tell you how I first noticed that I prayed less. I struggled more. <laughs> I struggled more in my marriage. I struggled more as a parent. I struggled more being a good mentor and an example to the, 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 the many young men that I mentor. Why? Because my prayer life changed. Because I became so focused on Mosaic Church and the people of Mosaic Church that I forgot about the other people, mainly myself. And, 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 and so that's my first confession. But I want to tell you something. In those moments when I struggle with prayer, when I don't even, sometimes I don't even have the words to pray. Can I, here's a part of that, that, that prayer confession too. Sometimes when people ask me for prayer, <laughs> you ready? Here it is. This is my confession. Sometimes when people ask me for prayer, I get nervous because I don't always know what to say. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to always be ready. That's what the Bible just said, right? Always be prepared. Is that, is that not what I just read to you all in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, or ch chapter 1, whatever, y'all know, it's in there. Always be prepared. And sometimes I, 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 I struggle with that because I feel like, you know what? You got somebody that's dying, and I know you, you believe that my prayer is strong enough to save them. And my first thought is, I don't know if I can do that. So I pray, feeling guilty because I don't know what the outcome will be. But then I'm reminded that God never told me to provide the outcome. He just said to pray. And sometimes when I don't have the words or even the energy to pray, I, I take the posture of, of Hannah. And you can meet me over in, in 1 Samuel. That's in the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's right, it's right in the Old Testament, right after the book of Ruth, which is a very short book. Chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. This is what, watch this. This is the posture of Hannah when it came to prayer. When she, she couldn't open up her mouth. Here's what it says. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. 
Now, I'm not saying I take the posture where I start drinking. No, no, no. (laughs) But I take the posture where I just open my mouth and let whatever the Holy Spirit has to say for me. The Bible tells us in New Testament that the Holy Spirit sends utterances on our behalf. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for us. And so when I don't have the energy, that's the posture I take. And I want to encourage you, even when you don't have the energy or the words or you don't even know what to pray, just open up your mouth and let the Holy Spirit go to work for you. Because trust me, he will. Trust me, he'll give you words. Trust me, he will encourage you. Trust me, he will speak on your behalf. Take the posture of Hannah when you struggle to pray. Second confession. I read my Bible more as a lay person for personal devotion than I do as a pastor. I read my Bible every day, y'all. But 100%, no joke. Well, let me fix that nowadays. Things have changed. I read my Bible daily. But nowadays, I'm going to say my Bible has shifted. My Bible reading has shifted. 60%. Of my Bible reading is for preparation for Sunday morning. 40% now, many of you don't know this, I'm back in school trying to earn my master's in apologetics. So now 40% of that is devoted to reading what I have to read for school. <laughs> I read my Bible, and none of it is for personal devotion. So, in other words, your pastor is confessing that because I'm not making a personal devotion with the Bible, I, I, I may not be growing as fast as I could as a person. And when I do read devotionals, watch this. I have devotionals that come to my phone every morning, and I read them. I read them. Let me tell you how jacked up things are for me. I have to read them multiple times just to comprehend them. I feel like I've gotten dumber. But God reminded me, he said, son, you haven't gotten dumber. You just got more stuff in your brain. You're thinking about way more stuff. You haven't gotten dumber. No way. I've, I've given you that precious and beautiful brain of yours. And it's okay if you have to read it a couple of times to comprehend it and understand it. But you need to devote yourself to it. And so I'm devoted to it now. I make these, by the way, disclaimer. These are, this confession is something that I've prepared way before my sabbatical. And since my sabbatical, some of these things that I'm sharing with you, I've already began working on. Okay. This is all the stuff I wrote before I went on sabbatical this summer for a month. So some of these things I've already started working on. I, I do now read more personal devotion before I even do anything. But I, I do it differently. I meditate first. That's a new thing for me. And that's not no, you know, home, home, home. no, that's religious stuff. I don't do that. But I just sit quietly and focus on breathing, listening to how many beats my heart is beating. I focus on breathing. And then once I'm at a place where I can focus on breathing, then my head is clear, I'm light, then I go into devotion. And guess what, y'all? Man, that's working. That's working. I feel good personally. I feel better personally. I I feel healthy personally. And guess what? A healthy pastor equates to a healthy church, equates to healthy ministry, healthy leaders. It all falls all down from the head down. Now, I'm not the head. I'm the head of this building, this congregation, but God is the head of the entire church, right? And so if I'm spending time, the head, spending time with the head, if y'all follow me on this one, then I'm healthier. And so now 
I do that. I had to figure that out. And I'm saying this to you as well. There are times where it's hard for you to read the Bible. You may have to read it. I know many of you all are on Bible reading plans. You may have to read it several times to comprehend it. That's okay. Pause for a moment. Meditate for 60 seconds. Focus on your breathing. Clear your mind. Get refocused and get back on it. I also attribute bike, ride, bike riding to helping me get focused. Cycling has done an amazing thing for me mentally. I, I'm not even looking at it. People are like, oh, you look good. I'm like, man, you don't even know. You must be talking about my brain because my brain feels really good right now. They're talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally. I feel amazing. And it has nothing to do with, with wanting to get in shape. It helps with my psychological stuff. So I read, I read my Bible more as a lay person for personal devotion than I do as a pastor. And that was true. And it's still true. I mean, it's still true. I have an assignment and I want to make sure that I do my assignment well. And that's to lead you guys stronger in your relationship with Christ and closer in your relationship with him as well. Here's the third one. I'm an extrovert with introvert tendencies. (laughs) She said, me too. (laughs) I'm an extrovert. Meaning I love to be around people. I feed off of the energy of people. I don't know a stranger, I promise you. I make friends everywhere I go. And they're not long-term friends, but they're friends for that moment. We are like cool. We're here together. Oh, we in line at Starbucks. Guess what? We are best friends in this Starbucks line until we get our drinks and we go our separate ways. I mean, seriously, I just make friends everywhere I go. But I have, and this is new, by the way. By the way, this is a new discovery that I have introvert tendencies. Introverts like to kind of keep to themselves kind of like to be isolated sometime. They really don't like to deal with crowds. Matter of fact, if there's a crowd, they're like, you know what, let me, is there a way to go around the crowd? I just don't want to deal with people. Oh my goodness, I got to say hello to these people. Oh my goodness, I got to put on my smile and figure, how you doing? It's so good to see. It's been so long. Oh my gosh, all the kids. Yes, wow. <laughs> all right, I'll be in touch. And you feel exhausted, right? Anybody feel like that? I didn't realize that was me. <laughs> I, I was like, wait a minute. I got some introvert tendencies because sometimes I feel like that. Right? And I genuinely, I'm genuinely happy to see people. I'm genuinely really concerned about your family. I'm genuinely really concerned about that promotion. Uh, but guess what? I've got to remember everybody's promotion, everybody's baby's birthday, everybody. And I'm like, Oh, it was your prayer. Man, if I didn't have my wife, y'all would hate me. Because I would remember nothing. But my wife is like, hey, you know, so-and-so just graduated. Hey, you know, so-and-so is this and that. You know, so-and-so just got a promotion. You know, so-and-so's baby is having a birthday. I'm like, all right, cool. So when I get to church, I'm like, I've already programmed my mind. Remember, 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 remember. Hey, how was that interview? And like, oh, yeah, you remember the interview? Like, Erica, remember, but I'm going to take credit today. Yeah, I remember, girl. How'd it go? You did good? I knew you would. Listen, I prayed for you. That's tough. It's, I'm not lying. It's really tough. And it's draining. And here's the other thing, and I'll get to that later, but it's just so much. And I've discovered that there are times where I love isolation, and I didn't realize that until I was on my sabbatical. I've never taken a vacation by myself. In all 40-plus years of my life, I've never taken a vacation by myself. I've got to have my boys, and if not my boys, I, you know, back in the day when I was in the world, you know, whatever girl that was available to go on vacation, you know, just, I just couldn't go by myself. I have to have people with me. I like people. I want people to experience, and I feed off of that. If you're having a good time, man, I'm having a great time. 
That's just who I am. But on sabbatical, I was by myself, and I was like, man, this, this stuff is cool. Why didn't I try this sooner? Why didn't I go to the beach by myself before? Why didn't I check out a movie by myself before? Dining by yourself? Why did y'all keep that a secret, introverts? That's pretty dope. Like, really, just sitting there like, no, nobody else is coming, just me. And it feels amazing. Introverts, y'all been holding back some very, I see why y'all keep it to yourself, because that's some fun stuff. But I didn't realize how much I enjoy that. And so I have those tendencies. So sometimes it's hard for me to really engage with people in, in, in meaningful conversations, right? Number four, confession. This is where it's going to start to get deep, y'all, so hold on. I never feel adequate enough to lead. I never feel adequate enough to lead. And you know when it really hits me and hurts me the most, when I really, like, not hurts me, but really gets to me, is when I repeat myself. And I'm like, I must be stupid or something. I must not be that articulate because I already said that. And, and, and now I'm repeating myself. It's like, what? Am I not speaking English? Is it not clear? What's, what's wrong with me? And my sister Nikki has helped me with some of this with some, some, uh, some, some little projects or, or whatever the case may be to kind of understand how to lead people with different personalities. And it's not me. For a long time, I'm like, man, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible leader because nobody is getting it. And I'm having to explain myself three and four times. And my wife and I are like this. I'm like, wife, what don't you get? We've been together all these years and you still don't understand me. And it was Sister Nikki who said, no, it's not that she don't understand you. It's just that people with different personalities, they receive and comprehend information differently than how you're delivering it. It's not your delivery. So what has to happen is you have to now based upon the person you're communicating with, shift how you communicate. Because you think you're doing an amazing job. And you think, oh, you, this, this, is as, this is like as clear as day what I'm saying. You, you, you have to get this. But you realize in the end that they don't. And it's not you. It's them and their personality. So you have to shift. If you want results, you shift how you communicate with the people you're trying to get the results from. Thank you, Nikki. So, and that's what I've learned. I've learned that, that, that I, I feel inadequate to lead, but what I've learned is that I just have to shift to the people. Now, many of you who are on our leadership team, we, and, and even if you're a member here, you've done a, a DISC assessment. That's a personality assessment, by the way. And you've done a spiritual gifts assessment. So this is how God has wired you. If you've been here long enough, I believe with our former leaders, we did a strength finders test before. Some of you, if you've been with us really long, we even did Myers-Briggs. Is that the right word, Myers-Briggs? We did. I mean, we, so we've done like several <laughs> personality things so that I could learn how to communicate with you all effectively because it means that much to me. But I, I, sometimes I just feel inadequate to lead. And I'm still trying to figure people out and their personalities and how they're wired. But I've also discovered this, that in those moments where I feel inadequate to lead, I say this simple prayer, and this is something you can apply. I say, God, where I am inadequate, your grace is sufficient. I may not articulate what I'm trying to say clearly. I may not articulate it with passion the way people, or, or too passionate. But God, your grace is sufficient. So even if it falls on deaf ears, God, you'll still get the glory. Because God said he's going to build his church. And he didn't. He, he'll take whatever tools he needs. All right. Five. I got to get going here. I'm a habitual people pleaser. 
That's my confession. I'm a habitual people pleaser. I'm always trying to please people, mainly the people that I serve with, mainly the people that are members of this church, because I need you. And so I plead, hey, yes, you want to do that? Sure, go ahead. That sounds like a great idea when the truth is I'm like, it may not be a good fit for this ministry, but I want to please you because I don't want you to leave. I don't, don't leave Mosaic Church. Oh, don't, don't leave because if you leave, that's less people, that's less leadership, that's, that's less, 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 that's less tithe and offering if you give your tithe and offering because I think only 30% or less of you tithe or even give an offering. 30% or less. Our church survives off of that much. And we're not a lot of people. That's bad. And so I please people because I don't want you to leave and everything that comes with you when you leave. And I can, I, can I, let me just talk about leaving. And if you want to leave, that's okay. But I just want to tell you how, what, what happens when you leave. So in 2011, I had my very first, and this is very personal. I had my very first psych evaluation because it was a very traumatic season for me. I, I became a pastor when I didn't plan for it. <laughs> Um, so I had my very first meeting with a therapist and I laid it out when they told me we were going to meet with a therapist. I was like, yes, I threw it out there. And at the end of our session, I looked at the therapist was like, you okay? I felt that I was, I went deep because the therapist was looking, but I realized later on now I do normal therapy sessions. That's just the therapist look. They just have a certain look and you, but that look makes you want to, I want to ask them, are you Okay. After that, so I laid out everything, and one of the things that came back, and I still have the assessment, I'll, I'll save it forever because it helped me realize who Broderick Maurice Santiago is. I have separation anxiety issues. I'm not used to people leaving me because they've been, I've been, I, people have left me my entire life. Most of my, most of my life, I didn't grow up with my parents. I lived with my grandparents, and when they went, well, they left me, and that, that, that I never processed that. And then, uh, you know, move forward. Uh, when the grandparents die, they left you. You move forward in life. You have your first relationship. You break up. That person left you. Once again, separation, anxiety, friends, and all of this stuff. Leave. So all of this adds up, and you never process it. You never process it. And then all of a sudden, you get to a place like I was in, where I was a pastor of a church, and the pastor left me. Now, this is my spiritual father. Left me, right, and many others. And I'm like, whoa. I got to deal with that anxiety, but at the same time, I have to lead something I've never done before. Whoa, that's a lot for any human being to process. I have an anxiety issue that I really never processed and didn't know I had, but at the same time, I've got to learn a brand new thing that I've not prepared for and not planned for in my life, and it was just crazy. So I had that first psych evaluation, and they told me that that's one of the issues. Sharing all of my childhood, sharing my life with that therapist and him telling me, yeah, you have separation anxiety issues. So every time a person leaves this church, it's always my fault, even though it's not all the time. 
I just internalize it because I don't know any different because of how I'm wired, because of my history. So every time somebody leaves, I'm like, oh, man, my preaching sucks. I'm no good. Oh, it was them leaders. They ran them people out. It wasn't me. You know, I mean, you just get to a place. You start blaming people. You blame yourself. And, it, and it, every time, I don't care if we never broke bread, when you leave, it hurts me. My wife will tell you it takes days for me to come back to myself, sometimes months, depending on who the person is that leaves. I'm just being completely transparent. And many pastors have the same issue. Many pastors suffer the same issue. So I'm not saying don't leave. Leave. If God is calling you to leave, by man, God bless you. But I'm just being transparent. It hurts every time somebody leaves. Like, like, like you... Like you just broke up. Y'all know that? You start putting on that Lenny White. Okay, maybe that's just me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Number six. <laughs> I have issues managing my temper. So that, that hurt that happens eventually translates into anger. You guys don't see it, but my family does. It's not fair to them. You guys don't see the fits I have when stuff don't work out the way I want it to. You guys don't see uh, me, me slamming books. You guys don't see me, me at the gym with James, who will probably be here to second service, like trying to tear his arm off when we're boxing because I'm literally every punch I'm just thinking of something that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. You know, and that's not just church, but it's also at home. But today we're talking about church. Those moments and I get I'm I'm not lying. I'll smile in your face, but I could be angry at you at the same time. But I'll never let you know, because remember, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want you to leave, but I'm peed off at you. I want to I want to go all the way off on you. But, hey, I love you. I'm a people. Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you your 50th chance. But I love you. I love you. Mm, You don't know what I'll do. I want to wring your neck. And that's what they used to say. But I'm being honest. This is confessions. Don't judge me. And the thing is, we all, as Christians, have those kind of issues. For some reason, some, somebody put this in our mindset. Watch this. That Christianity is synonymous, watch this, with perfection. Who said that? Or pastoring is synonymous with perfection. Who said that? Yes, I get angry. I ain't going to lie. Every now and again, somebody cut me off, and I could be just worshiping at the moment, but they cut me off, and I'd be like, oh, thank God that was the pointer finger. But really, it's the other one I wanted to go up. Or watch this. I won't lie. Can I, can I be with confessions? Somebody will cut me off, and guess what? I speed up to cut them off. Help me, Lord. Me and Peter have a lot in common. Peter, the one who cut somebody's ear off, he had anger management issues. I got some of those issues. Pray for your pastor. I'm human at the end of the day. God just gave me an assignment. I get angry. I get angry at home. I get angry at church. I get angry when stuff just doesn't seem to happen. And my anger stems from my, watch this. Let me show you how this works. I'm going to help you today. My anger stems from my inability to balance my expectations. 
Your anger stems from your inability to balance your expectations. You, we all get angry because we put, we, listen, we held people up to a level that they could never reach in the first place. Ooh, that was an amen moment for myself. I, I heard an amen in my spirit. I was like, amen. And when they let you down and they don't reach that level, it's not their fault. It's your fault. You put them up too high. So what I've decided to do, if I, I put people down here, they're on this level. And if you go past it, I'm like, whoa, you exceeded my expectations. Now I control my anger. I brought everybody down. Everybody is brought down on the level. I even did that with my, with my beautiful bride. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm asking my wife way too much to do. I can't expect her to put, I can't put all that on her. That's, that's crazy. So I'm like, you know what? Bang. She's not in a lower level in terms of our relationship, but my expectations of her, I've changed. I've altered, right? So, so the other reason is when things don't go as planned, we get angry. When people don't respond the way we expect, we get angry. But you know why that is? Parents, teachers, mentors, you all get it. This is why we get angry. You ever see potential in somebody? So much potential in somebody. You guide them to where they could be so successful. And when they don't live up to their potential, you're not happy with that. You're just like, oh, my. If you knew what I knew, you would not be cutting steps. If you knew what I knew, you you'd do better. Anybody ever get like that? You see so much potential, so much opportunity, so much promise in people. And then you, 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 your children or your mentees or your friends or your lover, whatever the case may be. And you're like, if you would just do, man, you wouldn't always be coming to me with drama. You got that friend that's always coming to you with drama and you've already helped them. It's like, if you would just do, you still ain't doing and that's how I feel about the church. It's like y'all have so many issues and some of them are you have like the same issue. It's like you love that issue for some reason because every year you have that issue because you asked me to pray for that issue. And I pray for that issue that you keep bringing to me for like a long time. And I prayed about it. And then I actually you asked you, you went as far as saying, give me some wisdom about it. I gave you wisdom. Why are you still here with the same issue? Because you didn't apply it. And that's so frustrating. That's, the, that's so frustrating. You know the richest place on the earth? You ever hear this before? Thank you. The richest place in the entire earth is the grave. Because there are people in that grave that have so much potential, potential and didn't do anything with it. Million dollar ideas are in the grave. Billion dollar ideas are in the grave. Why? Because those people didn't listen to people who were trying to encourage them to do better. This is why we get upset. I'm over my time. So let me rush through this one. Number seven, I struggle with depression. It took me 40 some years to ever realize that. I've never struggled with depression. Not saying I'm perfect, but I struggle with depression. I've been molested twice in my life. I have abandonment issues, as I shared earlier, but never struggled with depression. As a pastor, I've struggled with depression. And I wonder why. Can I tell y'all why? Ooh, man, I found this book. It's called Leading, Leading with a Limp. It's so good. And I found this out. Somebody shared this book with me. This year has been crazy. I don't know if y'all know, but there's been three, three pastors that committed suicide just this year. It happens every year, multiple times. Some pastors uh, that don't commit suicide, they end up doing other things that hurt them deeply, like moral failure. Some pastors... Uh, 
do other things, like get involved in drugs. Like there's a pastor several years ago I was talking about this morning that had a drug overdose in a hotel in Miami all by himself, trying to, to, to medicate the pain of the pastorate. And so I'm like, why am I suddenly feeling more depressed? I've dealt with way more than I've ever had to deal with before pastoring, but why, am I hard, why is it hard for me to balance it? Ready? Here it is. And if there were therapists in the room, they would be familiar with this term. Pastors suffer from a symptom called vicarious traumatization. Vicarious traumatization. Now, it's a common symptom that is seen in people that work in the medical field, particularly those who work in, in, in areas of psychology. Vicarious traumatization is this. Your brain woo, processing, watch this, grief, hurt, or pain from somebody else, but your brain don't realize that it's not yours. I'll say that again. So a therapist sits there, listens to the pain and hurt of somebody else. An hour, a clip, right? It's how long your therapy session is, an hour, a clip. Every time they sit, they listen to somebody. Oh, this is what I'm going through. This is my drama. This is my issue. The next hour, another person. This is my issue. They do this. The average therapist does this three to four days a week. They don't work five days a week. They do three to four days a week. And what happens is what they realize is that a lot of therapists, some years ago they realized a lot of therapists were either, one, committing suicide, number two, find themselves addicted to drugs like antidepressants, or number three, they were, de- they were depressed and stressed out. So they did a study and they came up with this term, vicarious traumatization. Pastors go through that. Because our and what happens is your mind does not separate the fact that that a person that you're that's sharing their drama that they're different from you. Your mind thinks it's the same person. Your mind doesn't know the difference. So now you have carried their weight. So every time a pastor is dealing with a person that's grieving, the pastor doesn't. The pastor realizes, in reality, hey, that's their grief. But I'm counseling them. But your brain doesn't know the difference. So all of a sudden, now you're grieving. Pastors deal with that frequently. Guess what else? They did a study not long ago, and they asked people, what is your greatest fear? And they listed a bunch of things. And, the, and in this survey, and this, is, and this survey is done every year, I would say. You could check this out on your own. I'm not making this up. They asked people, what is your greatest fear? And on the list is death and other things and public speaking. Watch this. What is your greatest fear? Do you realize that most people say they fear public speaking more than they do death? (laughs) But wait a minute. Ain't that something you do every week, Pastor? You do the thing that most human beings fear most every week. And you're expected to do it well. Vicarious traumatization. This is why pastors are depressed. This is why pastors, uh, watch this, and we suffer silently. Because I cannot let you know that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Because why? I'm a people pleaser. I don't want you to leave me. I'm a people pleaser. I don't want you to feel that I am weak. So that's what we suffer from. Finally. No, no, no. Two more. Here it is. I'm going to go through this one quick. Finally. Uh, well, not finally. Number eight. I, I, I'm often embarrassed to say I'm a Christian. I really am. I'm often embarrassed to say I'm a Christian. I I actually kind of hide behind that. And here's why. 
because Christians are judgmental. We accuse others but excuse ourselves. Christians do, do and say weird things. Christians are hypocrites. Christians aren't disciplined. I'm embarrassed, and I can't, I don't have time to open that up, but, but just listen to the 11 o'clock podcast. I'll spend more time there. I'll open that up there. But this is why I'm often embarrassed to say I'm Christian, because we don't look anything like what a Christian looks like in the Bible. Finally, and you all probably know this, I struggle with sin. As we all do, my sin may not be your sin, but I struggle with sin. But how I work through sin is prayer and accountability. And that's what I recommend to you all. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.